0: Hey, guys, it's Pete Mundo, and guess what? We have tickets for you to the Big 12 Tournament semifinal games, courtesy of our friends at Phillips 66, doing a partnership with them the next week or so. Here's how you can win. Tickets to the Big 12 Tournament semifinal action. What you have to do is rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Email me a screenshot of your rating and your review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. If you've already done it, well, guess what? Have a friend do it, okay? Have a friend do it. Email me. Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Leave a rating, leave a review on the podcast, and we'll have a winner who's going to get two tickets to the Big 12 Tournament semifinal games. We'll announce it on Twitter next week, at heartland underscore CS. Thanks so much, guys. Good luck. Appreciate you listening. and goal at the three, and Iowa State moved at the snap, Skyler Thompson to the goal line, touchdown! I can feel it going on well, as the music
1: plays Taking shots with
2: the night out. He's at the bail of 35, the 30, the 25, the 20 It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone He goes again! David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception are going And the Cyclones win it they have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some when the sun goes down, stars come out. Say, they just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from them. It's 81 yards for McCleskey on the grab. Locked it down the middle for Rodney. It's caught at it the 10
0: So what do you think, Big 12 football fans? Do we want to prop up the Pac-12 on our backs while we're at it? I'm a I'm a hard pass, very, very hard pass. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much for joining us, for being a part of the show, and whether it's on radio, podcast, YouTube, whatever it might be, uh, thanks so much for, for joining us. So if you haven't seen the story, This came from the Mercury News, and it came on Tuesday of this week, and it talked about a former Big 12 president proposing a strategic alliance with the Pac-12, and it called for the conferences to embrace a future together. Now, part of this included, actually, the idea of essentially the Big 12 and the Pac-12 each playing its own nine conference games, but then instead of having non-conference games against, oh, a Power Five opponent, an FCS opponent, a Group of Five opponent. No, just play the Pac-12. So let me tell you where this came from. It came from John a uh, former Kansas State president, guy who hired Bill Snyder, so he's got some cachet. Back in the fall of 2017, once again, per the Mercury News in California, Gordon Gee, West Virginia's president, asked Weifald to consider ways to strengthen the Big 12. Now, now Weefold was not asked to be an official advisor or anything like that for the Big 12 conference. It was more of a you know, couple of old buddies. Hey, what do you think this conference should do? You know it. Any ideas? So Weefold puts together the idea, and his first idea was to try to convince Arizona and Arizona State to become the 11th and 12th members of the Big 12. But then he says, per the Mercury News, that he dismissed the idea. He then put together an 11-page document titled A Proposal to Create a Strategic Alliance Between the Big 12 and the Pac-12. And the alliance of 22 universities would play 30 non-conference games a year. Of course, that's all 30 for the Big 12, and that would be 30 of 36 for the Pac-12 since they have 12 teams, not 10. And these games will be spread out between all three months. It's not like the Pac-12 and Big 12 would play three straight weeks in September. No, they'd spread them out, you know, uh, three conference games, a Pac-12 game, whatever it might be. Then they'd basically be the same conference because at the end of each season, there would be a championship game between the Pac-12 and the Big 12, and it would rotate each year between the Rose Bowl out in Cali in L.A., and AT&T Stadium in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. Now, G apparently called the proposal brilliant at the time, but he declined to comment to the Mercury News on this article. So, here's my question for you. Do you want to prop up the Pac-12? Remember this. The Pac-12 was considered a top-three Power Five Conference five, six, seven years ago when realignment was happening. The Big 12 almost blew up because the Pac-12 and Larry Scott, their commissioner, nearly took Texas and took Oklahoma, and as a result, Tech and Oklahoma State west. He almost got the super conference that he so desperately wanted with 16 teams until the bottom fell out late last minute. So now the Pac-12 finds itself in a tough predicament. It's the worst Power 5 conference of any. It's not even debatable. Fans don't care, generally. The, uh, The actual product is not great. It's by far the weakest product in football and, I would argue, in basketball, for that matter. And the fans don't really care. Now, uh, you know, fans are going to say, well, I care. Well, okay. Do you compare compared to fans at Alabama, at Michigan, at Oklahoma, at Clemson? Not really. It's just the difference between the West Coast and the rest of the country when it comes to sports. I mean, it's outdoorsy, L.A., the weather's great. It's just different the way the West Coast and the rest of the country views sports. It always has been. And it seems like it's even more that way at the college ranks. So I don't see the benefit to the Big 12. Why would you do this? I mean, the Big 12's done a really good job getting good out-of-conference opponents, right? And by the way, if you go this route where you literally no longer have non-conference games, instead you're playing three Pac-12 teams instead of, say, your rival. Iowa State fans, do you want to get rid of Cyhawk and replace it with Oregon State? Is that appealing to you? Texas, you're playing LSU this year. Who would you rather play, LSU or Arizona State? OU's got upcoming games against Nebraska in 2021 and 2022. Hey, OU, how about you take Nebraska off the schedule, and what do you think about a matchup with, oh, um, I don't know, Maybe somebody like, oh, Cal or Utah. Does that excite you, OU fans? You get where I'm going with this. I mean, what is the point? I get the point if you're a Pac-12 fan. Add some legitimacy. Maybe one day a super conference is able to coexist, and you protect yourself as a legitimate Power 5 uh, you know, entity. I get it from the Pac-12 standpoint. The Pac-12 is falling behind. The TV network's a disaster. Uh, The product is not good. It's subpar compared to the other conferences. And the fan base enthusiasm is generally not there. So I understand why the Pac-12 is saying, what can we do to protect ourselves moving forward as a Power 5 conference? What can we do? How can we go about it? But tell me, what is the benefit to the Big 12? What is the benefit to Texas, Oklahoma? And I'm using them as an example because, as I've said before, the Blue Bloods control this sport, all right? That's true. every conference. But let's just bounce around. I mean, it's funny. Texas Tech actually has a lot of Pac-12 non-conference games coming up in football. They've got uh, Arizona, a home-and-home home these next two years in 2019 and 2020. And then I was looking up two down the road. They've got Oregon in 2023-2024, Oregon State in 25-26. Jeez, uh, Texas Tech just join the Pac-12, would you please? I'm joking. But Kansas State, let's use them as an example. Kansas State plays a home-and-home with Missouri in 2022-2023. You want to give that up? An old Big 12 foe? That's going to be fun. It's not quite border war, Kansas-Missouri, but still, uh, an old Big 12 foe? You want to give that up for uh, Cal? You want to give that up for, I I don't know, Oregon State? Arizona? No. I don't want to see that happen. And I don't think most Big 12 fans do, especially when it's like, I get the idea of, you know, those FCS games are total clunkers. They stink. They're boring. They're a lost cause. But a lot of coaches like those, you know? A lot of coaches like the idea of having that game to kind of tune you up for the season, and then the grind of the conference schedule is real. Ask the SEC why they like to have that little cupcake game uh, the week before rivalry week that is strategically placed you know these are 18 to 22 year olds these are not professionally grown men I mean less physically they're grown men but um, in terms of everything else you still don't know what you're getting sometimes having that one tune-up game is is not the worst thing in the world now I don't like what Baylor used to do with our brials when he'd have like Lamar and uh, Sam Houston State and then, you know, St. Mary's School for the Blind to cap off as three non-conference games. I was not a fan of that one bit. But now, you know, you got to have a Power Five in there for the Big 12, which is a good thing and a positive thing for this conference. And for the most part, I've been very impressed with this conference's ability to find solid and like-minded non-conference schools at the Power Five level to play home and homes with. And then you have the nine conference games. These are positive things for the Big 12, which finds itself in a powerful position right now. Now, it's not in the Big 10 SEC level of power. I get that. But I would argue that right behind the Big 10 and the SEC, when it comes to power at the network level, TV level, uh, digital level, you could make the argument the Big 12 is third behind the Big 10 and the SEC. ACC, Big 12, you can debate them, and then there's clearly a drop-off to the Pac-12. The Big 12 does not need to do this, lock itself into some type of deal with the Pac-12. They don't need to do it, and I'm not saying it's going to happen. This was just an idea that was uh, discussed between John Wayfold, former Kansas State president, and Gordon Gee, the West Virginia president. But I just was surprised uh, by people on social media saying, Oh, this sounds great. This is fun. Let's have Texas play Oregon, UCLA, and Colorado in a non-conference. Well, Texas does a pretty darn good job in their non-conference. LSU this year, uh, Arkansas in 2021, Alabama in 2022, Alabama in 2023, Michigan in 2024, Ohio State in 2025. You get the point. They're doing good stuff. Don't be the insecure guy that's pretty good-looking but that is so nervous he's not going to find a prom date that he shoots way too low and settles. Don't be that guy. You don't need to be that guy if you're the Big 12. So, hey, it's this time of year when this stuff starts to get floated around out there. I understand why it's kind of become a conversation after the news in the, uh, in the Mercury News. But I just I don't see any reason for the Big 12 to be thinking like this right now. Be confident in who you are and what you are in your product, in your one true champion, in your round robin. You're the only one to do it in football. You have the double in basketball. You're in a good place. Enjoy it. Thrive. And you know what? Let the chips fall where they may in the next couple of years. I'm all good for thinking outside the box. I am cool with that. Whether it's Gordon Gee or Bowlesby or anybody else. But just, yeah let's pump the brakes here a little bit on this idea (laughs) because I'm not seeing the upside for the Big 12. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, coming up, let's talk some hoops. Matthew Postons will join us next. Well, what a home stretch we've got in the Big 12 scene when it comes to basketball. And no one better to talk about it than Matthew Postens joining us here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. And, you know, Matthew, first off, let's talk about the fact that the Big 12 tournament's a couple weeks away. I'm in Kansas City. You are coming up. And I am mm-hmm. excited to just, uh, to be honest, we're going to own this coverage as well as anybody in the Big 12. I'm very confident of that. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I, I think the last time I went to a Big 12 tournament was probably when it was down here in Dallas, probably in uh probably in 2 in 3 something like that. So I, I'm really excited about the opportunity to come up to KC and cover the, the tournament all the way through from, I'm going to get there, I think, midday Wednesday and not leaving till Sunday. So I'm there for every game. I, I think that's a great arena there, uh, the sprints that are up in Kansas City. And I, and I love the fact that now they have the women's tournament up there and they've committed to having both of those tournaments up there at the same time. And I know we don't get, really get the opportunity to cover women's college basketball the way I would. I went to a school that really valued it. And and I hate the fact that I don't have enough hours in the day to cover both. <laughs> but uh, I think it's really great for fans to have both of those tournaments up there at the same time.
0: Yeah, looking forward to that. We have a lot more coming on that front in the next uh, bunch of days and couple of weeks. So first we got to figure out who's going to be the Big 12 regular season champ. Uh, Kansas beats K-State on Monday you know, I got to be honest, Matthew, that game felt like a total dud to me. Um, Kansas controlled it pretty much from the early get-go, did not relinquish. What did you see from the Jayhawks? Was it was it truly a home court advantage in this case, or was there something else going on that you saw that gave Kansas that win?
1: Um, I, I think what we're seeing is that the younger guys are getting more comfortable, and it's not that guys like Dotson and Grimes and – uh, the other freshman, McCormick, uh, these, these four, these younger guys in this team weren't comfortable before, but because of the, the departure of Legerald Vick and the injuries to Asabikwe and Sylvia De not coming back due to the suspension, you know, there became a certain point where I think Bill Self and everybody in the locker room knew, hey, you know, this is this is what we got. Now we got to figure it out. And I think for the first couple of weeks after that, that's kind of what the Jayhawks have been doing. They've been trying to figure it out. And Devon Dotson's taken on a big part of that road. And now you're seeing Egboji take a little bit more of that load consistently. You're seeing McCormick give them more quality minutes. You're seeing Grimes now uh, playing well and shooting well. They they got Garrett back a couple of games ago. That helps them. Lightfoot had a really good game, and he's a really valuable depth for them. So they're starting to get they're starting to get into a rhythm. The Texas Tech loss notwithstanding, that was just a dud on their part. But I, I feel like there's a there's more of a rhythm now to what they're doing offensively. Ah, uh, there's more of a rhythm to how Bill Self is is you know substituting guys and putting different uh, personnel on the floor. And I, I think there's just there there seems to be more calmness with that group now. Okay, we know who we are. We know what we're about. We know what we have to do. Let's go do it. And I think that's kind of what you saw on Monday night. I, I know there was a foul disparity. I know K State shot like four or five, throws in that game. You know, that happens sometimes. I've seen that happen in college basketball plenty of times. So you can call it a home court advantage if you want, but I saw more than just a home court advantage from Kansas on Monday night.
0: All right. Matthew Poston's joining us, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegesports.com. Um, K State, I, I got to be honest, it's a veteran team. I know, uh, I know that Fog Allen's a tough environment, I understand all of that. But I was just unimpressed with how they came out in that game. You know, scoring under 50 points. Any reason to be concerned, or was it just one of those games you chalk up? Tough spot on the road. Let's move on.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm inclined to give Kansas State a pass at this point for a couple of reasons. Uh, they had won 11 of 13 going into that game, so it's not like they were really struggling in terms of you know you know toggling between wins and losses. Um you know we know this is a veteran team we know they 're not very deep uh that's been a consistent theme throughout the season, but they managed to to handle that lack of depth and like you said, this is a veteran group so i don't i don't really have a lot of uh i don't have a lack of confidence that dean wade barry brown jr uh come out Stokes and the rest of these guys are going to bounce back from this loss you know they understand that they've got a real really Great opportunity to be the first k state team to at least share the Big Twelve title. I think in five or six years, so uh, I'm, I'm more inclined to give them a pass at this point. It was really the worst game they've played, honestly, uh, probably in the last couple of months. Even worse than the game. The only only game that I can think of where they may have played worse, you know, not score notwithstanding, is probably the Texas A&M game. So uh, I'm kind of inclined to give them a pass in this case.
0: Matthew, are you concerned? You know, we saw TCU on Tuesday night losing triple overtime at West Virginia. Uh, this team has now lost four of five games. Should Horn Frogs fans be concerned? I mean, they, they still can get to the 20-win mark, but they're going to have to beat either Texas Tech or Kansas State and then at Texas to do it. No guarantees here over these final three games. How concerned yeah. should Horned Frogs fans be?
1: Uh, I think there should be some concern about whether or not they make the NCAA tournament or not at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. at this point, they're guaranteed – to play that first day of the Big 12 tournament and they may have to play West Virginia again they now have two losses that I think the NCAA would qualify as bad they lost to Oklahoma State on the road and then they lost to West Virginia on the road yeah they they take into account where the game is but at the end of the day they've got two losses in their conference against the two worst teams in the conference plus they have two losses to Oklahoma which is the team below them so really if you're looking at the the bottom four teams in this conference right now, and TCU's at the top of it, but they've got four losses in their six meetings with those three teams, so that's something the NCAA is going to take into account when they think about whether or not TCU is worthy of going to the NCAA tournament. I think if they can get to 20 wins before the tournament, that would be great, but I think them winning uh, a first-round game at the Big 12 tournament is going to be imperative uh, to getting to that 20-win mark and impressing the committee enough to let them in the NCAA tournament, probably as a 10 or an 11 seed at this point.
0: Matthew Poston's Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, is our guest. Uh, The team you just mentioned, OU, they lose on Monday at Iowa State pretty convincingly. They had two good wins before that, TCU and uh, and Texas. They've got three games left, West Virginia, Kansas, Kansas State. They're at 17 wins, so they have to win all three to get to 20. I mean, if they split the Kansas games, that's a major success. What is this team right now in your eyes with two weeks left in the season?
1: Yeah, I think they're a below-average Big 12 team, and I think they're probably about an average team when you take into account you know where they look in the landscape across college basketball, especially across the Power 5 schools. I think there are probably some Power 5 schools and other conferences they could be consistently uh, because they've got uh, some really good inside work from Christian Doolittle. Uh, Christian James has had a very nice season. Uh, Brady Manick, I, I was expecting a little bit more from him, but he's been fairly consistent throughout the year. I, I think their biggest problem has just been that they don't, they don't seem to have any consistency from game to game in terms of how they play. One game, they play great. The next game, they don't play very well. And they've had a very difficult time stringing wins together. Um, when I look at their NCAA tournament chances, certainly sweeping TCU's help has help, will help them. I think they can beat Kansas. Uh, I know that sounds insane, but that game is in Norman, and Kansas has been a horrible road team all year. They're 2-7 and seven on the road. Their only road wins are at Baylor and TCU, and they needed overtime to beat TCU. So Don't discount Oklahoma going into that game. I think that's a trap game for the Jayhawks. I don't think they can go to K-State and win. Um, They can get to 20, but I think, like TCU, it's going to require them winning a first-round Big 12 uh, tournament game to do it. And that might be the difference between them getting into the NCAA as a 10 or 11 or ending up in the NIT. Because one way or another, they're going to play postseason basketball just like TCU because they have Mm -hmm. enough wins overall to do it. It's just a matter of whether it's going to be the NCAA or the NIT.
0: Matthew when you uh, when you look at the big 12 I mean last week we were talking about eight teams in the uh, in the big dance uh, there is a scenario where we talk about TCU Oklahoma that you know if they both really struggle this next week and a half or so and then have uh, you know one and done type scenarios in the big 12 tournament. Uh, could the big 12 be going from eight teams in to to, to six is that possible you think come selection Sunday?
1: I think it's possible. I mean, the the thing, one of the things that the committee will look at is they'll look at the last 10 games. So they look at what a team is doing going into the NCAA tournament, and that's a metric that they use in their decision-making. Another thing they're going to look at is they're going to look at things like RPI, Basketball Power Index, and things like that. And when you look at the Basketball Power Index, and, and I actually haven't looked at it this week, but last week, those eight teams we talk about as being the NCAA tournament teams coming out of this conference, they were all in the top 52 in both basketball power index and in strength of schedule. So there's recognition, at least in those data points, that you know even though these teams like TCU and Oklahoma are under 500 in Big 12 play, there's recognition that they've played a very difficult schedule to get there. So then the NCAA committee kind of has to find that balance mm-hmm. between, you know, are these, say, these two teams that they're weighing one or the other, which one A is better and which one B deserves to be there based on the metrics that they use to make those decisions. I think it's a really tough call because I think when you look at the strength of schedule and the BPI, I think you sit there and you say TCU and Oklahoma have held their own throughout the season against a really murderous schedule. But a lot of that BPI is wrapped up in the big 12. So that's, that's the kind of decisions that the committee is going to have to make when they look at whether or not those two teams especially deserve to go. And I think, Texas falls into that category, too, especially if they continue to lose now that they don't have Kerr Roach the second, at least for right now, who's on a uh, indefinite suspension. There's a possibility that they don't make the NCAA tournament because while they've got a really good BPI and a really good strength of schedule, they've only won 15 games this year.
0: Matthew Poston's joining us, heartlandcollegesports.com. Matthew, great work. Always appreciate it. We'll do it again next week. All right. Thanks, Pete. He's Matthew Poston's always with a really good insight here in Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, coming up, let's uh, wrap up the show. A couple of thoughts on what's happening with Kyler Murray at the combine, that and more next here in Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, we are just a couple of weeks out from the Big Twelve Tournaments. It's taking place in Kansas City. That's where I am located. I do a morning show on KCMO Talk Radio Monday through Friday. And, of course, operate heartlandcollegesports.com um, on the side. So I'll be here covering the tournament and Matthew Postens, who you hear each and every week, our Big 12 basketball guru expert. He is flying up as well. We got him staying in a nice little fancy joint while he's in town, and we look forward to a a great great week of coverage from myself and from Matthew. So stay tuned to us, whether it's on social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Everywhere, And of course, on the sites, podcasts, we'll be doing extra stuff as well that week. So stay tuned to it all right here on heartlandcollegesports.com. It's going to be very exciting. Also exciting this week, the NFL Combine taking place in Indianapolis. And guess what? Guess what? Yeah. Kyler Murray is getting some questions. Shocker. He's the most intriguing guy in the NFL draft. Heisman winner. He's 5'9 on a good day. He'll tell you 5'10. He's 5'9. Turned down millions of dollars to play baseball. It's a very unique situation. That Kyler Murray has himself in, and he could be a top half of the first-round type of guy. So a lot of rumors start floating around there, and people are asking questions and whatnot. But here's a report from NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, and this was a report that was shot down immediately by Lincoln Riley. So here's what Pelissero had to say on NFL Network.
2: System with me and his mom, but ultimately Kyler's the one making the decisions. NFL team. That is an issue NFL teams, Nate, are still trying to get comfortable with, and it has not been easy. Scouts that I've spoken to who dug around on Murray's transfer from Texas A&M say that situation raised some questions about how well he's going to handle adversity in the NFL. As one college scouting director put it to me, if he doesn't get drafted by the team he wants, does he go to baseball? If he's not starting, does he go to baseball? Everyone I spoke to has done homework on Murray also raised some level of concern about the role of his father, Kevin. Kevin Murray who doubles his Kyler's uh, quarterbacks coach and whether or not he's really the one calling the shots on Kyler's career well I reached out to Kevin Murray yesterday about those concerns. He told me Kyler has a tremendous support system with me and his mom. But ultimately, Kyler's the one making the decisions and we advise him. Kevin Murray also emphasized that he was not surprised Kyler chose football, said that he is all in. I guarantee you guys this, any team thinking about drafting Kyler Murray is going to want to spend time with Kevin Murray before they turn in that card. Now, I
0: understand that's kind of normal. You know, you want to know what your guy's all about, what his father's all about. Is this someone we have to be concerned about? I I get the hesitancy. But Lincoln Riley came out on Twitter, and he retweeted that video from Pelicero of the NFL Network, and he wrote, and I quote, Couldn't be any further from the truth. In three years coaching him, not one conversation with Kevin, meaning Kyler's father, about anything, in all caps, football-related, turned out decent, implying, yeah, we won a Heisman Trophy together, got to a college football playoff. Riley adds, quote, This kid gave up more than what people would ever believe for one reason, his love of this game. Those doing their homework already know. That's strong stuff from Lincoln Riley. And that's not the kind of stuff that he just shoots out there off the hip to try to defend his guy. Lincoln Riley is putting his own credibility on the line when he says something like that and when he goes down that road. He knows that. You know, if Kevin Murray was a helicopter dad and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley's out there saying, no, great guy, no helicopter dad at all, right? If he's out there doing that and then NFL teams draft him and the guy ends up, you know, being a quitter, whining, complaining, I'm going to go play baseball, Uh, and then daddy's calling up the head coach. Lincoln Riley would get killed by NFL scouts, NFL personnel people, and it would hurt his ability to get his guys drafted moving forward. And the fact that Kyler Murray, excuse me, the fact that Lincoln Riley came out so forcefully on Twitter and just shot this thing down from the get-go tells me, you know, Lincoln Riley's not messing around. Young guy, top of his profession, he's not screwing around with this stuff. And I believe him because of how quickly he came out and said, this is nonsense. And he's got something at stake here, too, his own reputation, not as much with us in the media or us as fans, but more so in NFL circles. Just as important for these college football coaches as their credibility with high school coaches is their credibility with the NFL. You know, for every guy that's a Baker Mayfield or a Kyler Murray that's a first-round pick, there's a guy like, I don't know, let's say Rodney Anderson, who's been banged up, who could be as high as a second-round pick on talent, but maybe as low as a, I don't know, sixth, seventh-round pick based on the fact that he's been hurt um, for most of his college career. What's his story? He plays a position that is a dime a dozen. That's where a guy like Lincoln Riley can make an impression on a team and say, you know, here's the deal with Rodney Anderson. Yes, he's been hurt, but if this guy is healthy, you have an explosive multi-year back in the NFL. He's a great guy. He's a good teammate. That's where the value of those relationships come into play. And I know, you know, as college fans and maybe not NFL fans, which I know a lot of us are, we don't think about that relationship to the next level, but it's just as important because, you know, these guys come to school and they want to play at the next level. You know, especially when you go to a place like Oklahoma. You're not going there uh, for four years of fun and, you know, if I work out in the NFL, it's great. No, you you know, you're coming out as a four-star guy. You're thinking about the NFL. So uh, I buy what Riley is selling here, and it was good of him to come out right away and and squash the whole thing because the NFL Combine is all about rumors. It's all about nonsense. A quick side note for you here. Uh, If you know this guy... If you watch Last Chance U, I admittedly did not watch Last Chance U. I really want to watch it because it's right up my alley. I just haven't had the darn time. There's so much going on, both personally, professionally, two-month-old kid. It's it's a whirlwind right now for me here. But Independence Community College, uh, Jason Brown, featured on Season 3 of Netflix. He resigned this past week after allegedly telling a German player on the team, I am your new Hitler. Yeah, not a good look. I first read the story, and I was like, well, it's bad. It's tacky. You know, I just got done reading the book uh, Killing the SS, a Bill O'Reilly book. Um, and, you know, regardless of your political beliefs, it's a good historical book on on all that stuff from that time of uh, history. And it talks a lot about, you know, the Nazis and the horrible things they did. But then I see, okay, he said this, the coach said this to the player who is a— German player and that's where it crosses the line from like really tacky to simply inappropriate. And some of these guys, you got to use your head. You just, oh gosh, you have to use your head better than some of these guys do. You know, I I do not understand it. I really don't. So, I wanted to share that quick story with the Independence, of course, Community College in Kansas, in Big 12 territory. But sometimes, some of these guys, I just scratch my head and I say, could you really be that foolish for someone that is as successful as coach jason brown has been at uh, at independence you are you this are you this dumb coach Jeez. now it's just an allegation but still it's out there and uh, he did resign, so that gives some some level of credibility to the allegation. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. You guys are awesome. Really appreciate you joining the show, as many of you do each and every week, whether it's podcast, radio, YouTube, whatever it might be. Have a great week. We'll do it again next week, same time, same place, here on Heartland College Sports Weekly.
2: 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right.
0: Thanks for downloading this week's show, guys. Appreciate it. And once again, you got a chance to win Big 12 tournament semifinal games tickets. All you got to do is rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Email me a screenshot of your rating and your review to Pete Mundo, M U N D O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And you're entered to win Big 12 tournament tickets. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon.